Hey, thank you for listening in to Risky Benefits, a podcast that informs you on all things benefits. We've got a saying around here. Benefits isn't your main business, it's ours. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to Risky Benefits and welcome to this week's episode. We're excited to have Liz Mack, Patient Care Services Director, and Eunice Fernandez, Employee Health Nurse at Jackson Health System on today. In nearly 100 years, Jackson Health System has evolved into one of the world's top medical providers in downtown Miami, Florida, with an influence that reaches far beyond South Florida. In light of the fact that Miami has been a hot zone for COVID-19 outbreaks, we've been wanting to speak with local professionals who have been servicing on the front line of COVID-19, and we're grateful to have Liz and Eunice on today so that we can garner a new perspective on what's happening on the front lines of healthcare. Before we learn more about what they've been dealing with, let's overview today's discussion. So what are we going to go over today? How COVID-19 has affected hospitals, concerns and worries that hospitals are facing, and ways the public can support hospitals. That said, let's get into today's podcast. Liz, thanks for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a great opportunity to be here. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. And so if you don't mind, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got to Jackson Health Systems and what you do. Okay. Born and raised in the Midwest, slightly outside of Chicago, Illinois. But in 2012, I moved to Miami, Florida, where I now live with my husband, my two-year-old daughter, and our rescue dog, Louie. And I'm a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for over 10 years. I graduated from Royal University with my bachelor's, went back to get my master's. And as a nurse, I love the unique ability I have to take care of another person and to make a difference in their life. I started working at Jackson in 2013 as a nurse manager, and it has been an amazing journey and such a rewarding career choice for me. Um, But when I'm not working, I also like to read and take hikes with my family. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, Liz, it's really nice to meet you. And Eunice, how's it going? Going good. Busy. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, and and, and how you got to Jackson Health Systems. Um, I'm a mother of two. I live in the Coral Gables area. I have lived in Miami since I was two years old. So I'm almost a native. I've been at Jackson for 38 years. My only job. I love it. That's awesome. Grateful to have you on today uh, and certainly grateful to have you in the fight down there in South Florida. So Eunice, your title is employee health nurse. Talk to us about what an employee health nurse does in a hospital. First of all, we make sure our employees are physically, emotionally safe to work. We do their physicals and we do drug testing before they're hired. We make sure they're immunized and protected before they start working so they can do their job. We make sure that they are fitted for our respiratory N95s so they know which size of of protection to wear, how to put it on, and it fits their face properly for them to go out there and work. That's really what my job is, is taking care of my employees so they can take care of our patients. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, Liz, tell us a little bit about your job and what you do for the Jackson Health System. 
Yeah, currently I'm a nursing director at Jackson Memorial Hospital, which is the hospital located in downtown Miami, which is part of the larger health system. We also have a Jackson North facility, a Jackson South facility, and a Jackson West facility that's being built. Uh, like I said, I've worked here for almost 70 years. In 2013, I started as a nurse manager over the medical IMCU. IMCU stands for Intermediate Medical Care Unit. It's a level of care that's one step below ICU, which is intensive care, but it's a higher okay. level of care than telemetry or med surge. And as a director, I lead part of the critical care division, including overseeing nurse managers, nurses, patient care techs, and hospital unit secretaries. I transitioned from the patient care area of just the medical IMCU to now taking care of dialysis, apheresis. I currently oversee a COVID ICU, a COVID IMCU, plus a PUI unit. And PUI stands for a patient under investigation. And it's a unit designed for patients who meet inpatient criteria for hospitalization. But we don't want those patients waiting in the ED while the results are pending. We want them in an inpatient room on a hospital bed instead of a stretcher. And then once the test results are received, they transfer to another unit in the hospital that's either designed for patients who are COVID negative or COVID positive. And it includes making sure they get to the right level of care. Awesome. And, and thanks for the breakdown there. It's always nice, especially for the listeners. You know, a, a lot of people know that people go to the hospital when they get sick and they know that there are people there that help them, but they don't know the vast array of processes, procedures, protocols that you guys go through to get the job done. So it's, it's kind of nice as an outsider to, to maybe learn and understand a little bit more about your world. And it also brings to light a lot of the um, challenges that you face in the process of helping people get better, the stages that you have to move them through and and some of the complexities of your environment. I'm curious, has the JHS system or specifically where you work within the JHS system seen a large influx uh, since COVID and, and how has that experience been for you? Liz? Yeah, I have to say we did see a large influx of COVID-19 cases. I feel there's really been two waves of influxes and the second wave was worse than the first. The second wave included patients who were younger and they were a lot sicker. I feel we're trending down from the second wave, but I'm really worried about socialization and travel and what potential impact that could have on the volume of cases that we're currently seeing. That makes a lot of sense. So talk to me about overflow. What are your plans for that or how, how does the system handle overflow? Eunice, if you want to take this one first. Well, thank God for Carlos Migoya and his leadership team who has made sure that we are carefully monitoring our admissions, our discharges, and that we have sufficient capacity for that surge, you know, that that we've gotten. Thank God that the numbers have been decreasing and we have had enough PPEs, which are our protective equipment. We've had enough to supply and to protect ourselves. Yes, there are plans for overflow. And again, we've had the capacity, you know, to, to make like other units ready in case we need to use them, but we've, haven't run out of respirators, haven't run out of ICU beds. We've been pretty much with it here, ready to go. That's good to hear. All right. So then Liz, what has your experience been like? Yeah. So 
we would be here all day if I tried to share with you everything that Jackson did to protect patients, staff, and community to prepare for an overflow. At a very high level, what I can tell you that we did is we put up tents outside of our ED to increase our maximum capacity for any member of the community who wanted to come into our ER. We converted inpatient areas into COVID units by installing equipment to purify the air. And we also put up barriers to contain the areas to prevent transmission. We converted an intermediate care unit, which I, I talked about earlier, was the medical IMCU that I initially was the manager for. We converted that into an ICU by adding air purifying equipment, video monitoring for the higher acuity ICU patients, increasing our medical coverage to provide safe staffing for that area, and decreasing our nurse to patient ratios so that the nurses were able to provide the correct level of care for how sick the patients were as ICU patients in our IMCU. You know, what's amazing is when, when I listen to you talk about that, it, it's just incredible how much your environment has changed. And I, I know you guys are engineering out hazards, so to speak, or engineering out the opportunity for hazards or, or any uh, unintended consequences from, from COVID, um, which is a huge job in and of itself. Um, how has your specific job changed? Uh, not just the environment that you're in, or even possibly you're the one who's having to create the environmental changes, but how has your job actually changed since all this happened? My job is completely different than what I ever envisioned. I started as a nursing director at Jackson in September of 2019. So I had only been a nursing director for about six months when the pandemic was really coming into full swing. And in March, when it started to really pick up momentum, our critical care director, who had been here for a very long time, retired. And I became the interim director for not only the intermediate care units that I was hired for, but also for the coronary care unit, the neurosurgical ICU, and the medical ICU. And our medical ICU was identified as the primary unit to provide care for COVID patients initially. So I had to jump in quickly and figure out how can I prepare for this pandemic and support the frontline providers who would be caring for these patients who would be coming in with a disease that we never saw before at a volume that we weren't sure how large it would get. Our focus as leaders within the organization switched from quote unquote business as usual to 100% focus on preparing, planning, implementing, evaluating any change that needed to be put into place for the safety of our patients, our staff, and the community during this pandemic. Sounds like you have a new job. <laughs> I, I do. Right. <laughs> I, next month will be my one-year anniversary as a director at, at Jackson, and I'm so grateful and so blessed. That's awesome. It sounds like you really enjoy the job, which, which as somebody who could be a candidate to go to your guys' facility, I'm, I'm super happy to know that there are people who like their job as much as you do doing what you're doing. So thank you. Um, okay. So then, Eunice, how has your job changed due to COVID-19? Well, we've had things added on to our jobs, but, you know, like there's Badge Buddies was introduced that travelers return to work when they've traveled outside the country or outside the United States. They have to come through us and we have to make sure that they're cleared to return to work. The Coral Hotline, which is a hotline for any questions they have about COVID, when they can return, where do they go? 
We have the COVID-19 testing. We have daily check-ins. And plus, we definitely have increased, you know, our awareness and making sure that everybody is on the same track as far as which respirators and masks to wear, gloves, hand hygiene, observing social distancing. You can never, you know, teach enough of that. So basically, yes, we've had a little <laughs> fun with all the add-ons, but we've been, you know, together and we make sure that, that everything gets done. Well, you've both mentioned safety precautions and the environment you guys are creating there at JHS. Um, but if you don't mind, just maybe in more detail, what's what safety precautions has the hospital taken to keep employees, patients, and visitors safe during these times? So if, if you were to, to try to paint a picture for the listeners, what might that look like? Liz, let's start with you. Okay. Um, again, we would be here all day because a yeah. lot of thought and effort went into this. Um, at a very high level, again, um, we let non-clinical staff work from home. For everyone who is on campus, we instituted a universal masking practice. So everyone, whether you're an employee or a patient, you wear a mask when you're in any common area. Sure. We did make a very, very hard decision to stop allowing visitors to enter the facility because we knew we had to decrease the risk of transmission to our patients and our staff. So we did set up Zoom phone calls and regularly scheduled family updates to keep families involved in their loved one's care. And as for PPE, which is an abbreviation for personal protective equipment, it's the items that staff wear to keep themselves safe and to keep patients safe from each other. We provided extensive training to the staff on how to safely use it, what it looks like. We posted signs of all the items you need, and we increased the supply delivery times of the supplies to the staff, and we increased the inventory levels within the units for the staff. We provided hospital laundered scrubs to staff because they were uncomfortable wearing their nursing uniform coming into work. They wanted something that would be issued by the hospital and laundered by the hospital. And we allowed frontline staff to use their own uh, respirators if it made them feel more comfortable. And we have partnered with our union counterpart for our nurses, which is SEIU, to make sure we have regular feedback sessions with the frontline staff to really hear their voice and promptly respond to any concerns that they bring up. Obviously, quite the process in and of itself. I mean, from laws and legal requirements, processes and procedures, and then training and education to make sure that everyone knows exactly what they're doing, even if the, the facility and or JHS has provided the information. There's also that education part from the employee level. So it sounds like you guys are really hitting on all cylinders there. So here's, here's more of a personal question. As an essential worker, uh, what are you most worried about? I mean, what, what, what bothers you the most just as an essential worker in your day-to-day -day life and in, in this new world and what you're doing? Eunice, why don't you go first? What am I most worried about? Exposures. I am worried about exposures and the organization again has taken all the measures to minimize the spread of the virus, social distancing, universal masking, proper hand hygiene, you know, but our stronger defense against COVID is that our system, people follow what we're telling them, you know, and our community. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, but we're right on them. Okay. All right, Liz, 
how about you? Yeah. Um, so as a nurse, I think my worries are the negative impact this pandemic can have on someone when we consider them as a whole person. I think this time period has been traumatic. I know people who have lost loved ones, people who are struggling to figure out childcare while continuing to work while their kids attend school remotely. I know people who were diagnosed with COVID weeks ago, but still have some residual symptoms, people who have actually lost their jobs. Um, as humans, we are social beings. We desire a sense of community and connection, but social distancing has prevented us from a life as we have ever known it before. I, I worry about what impact this has on us for the long term, again, as a whole person. Yeah, I think I think a lot of our listeners would share share that sentiment with you, and thank you for sharing. So, okay, then uh, here's a more personal question for you both. Um, and this is kind of in alignment, I guess, with the last question. I, what are you looking forward to when this is all over? Now, I say that with huge quotations, when this is all over, because who knows if it'll ever all be over. And I get that in the new world, you know, we'll always be prepping and or uh, aware that there could be some other sickness out there. But do you perceive that your work environment will ever really change moving forward? And more importantly, like, what are the things that you miss the most from the world as it was before? Eunice? First of all, what I am most looking for, I am a very huggy, huggy, kissy person. <laughs> I want to hug. I want to hug you. You know, I want to... I yeah. want to be able to touch you and not worry and, oh my God, six feet. And, yeah. you know, even with my kids, I try not, I am, you know, my son's 26 years old with hairy legs and I'm like, Baba, come <laughs> sit here. Let me pretend you're my baby, you know, and I love to hold him and kiss him. And, you know, now I really try not to do those things. You know, and, and I'm hoping that I can kiss my, my friends and my, employees and my patients and everybody so that's one of the things i miss the most and i i also miss not wearing makeup but anyway <laughs> i love wearing Aww. makeup hello that's very heartfelt and i have to say I, I truly appreciate the sincerity of what you're saying and that response is way better than anything i would have guessed you'd say <laughs> well you know i i'm hoping okay that and I always think and tell everybody, if you help yourself, if you protect yourself, okay, and do the right thing, by doing that, you're helping others. Sure. And you're protecting others. So united, you know, we can do this. And, and, and this too shall pass. You know, it's, I know that's corny, but if we do it together and we help each other, we're, we're going to protect our families, our friends, everybody. Sure. So let's hope that this will stop. I, I can't, you know, imagine wearing a mask forever. Yeah. Because I'm already hot and flashy as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that this too shall pass, Rick. Yeah. I, I think we're all right there with you. Um, Liz, what do you think? And what are you most looking forward to once this is all over? Yeah, so I do think this will change. And I think um, human beings are extremely resilient and nurses are extremely resourceful. So 
definitely nurses um, will find their new normal, as everyone will. And the quotes around um, when this is all over um, are very important because I can't say for sure when it will be, as I guess no one can. But when this is all over, um, what has brought me a lot of joy, and I, I daydream of it often, is my two-year-old daughter that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. She is Piglet's biggest fan. Pig <laughs> goes everywhere with us. And I often visualize taking her to Disney World, which, you know, we're only four hours away, but in reality, we might be two years away from. Right. Um, I just imagine her meeting Piglet for the first time and realizing that Piglet is real because she is absolutely Piglet's biggest fan and her joy brings me joy beyond comprehension. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, if there's anything in my power that I can do to make sure that your daughter gets to see a life, a life-size piglet, don't be surprised if someone shows up at your house. <laughs> that would be That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, right on. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So here's a thought or a question rather, just that I would ask somebody who's working within the, the hospital system every day. For those that are looking to provide help, what, what can listeners that are listening in today, what can they do in order to support hospitals? Eunice, what kind of support has helped you the most? You know, besides financially, okay, I think one of the things that have helped me the most is when I'm going through the communities and the neighborhoods and I see those signs, you know, thanking us. And that just like is incredible. If I'm wearing my uniform and I'm somewhere and somebody tells me, Oh, you're a nurse. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. Or I'm driving on the highway and I see the billboards. One more than, than to me, I think that is the most reward that I can get. You know, we had an artist that painted a mural on the parking garage wall outside. So people driving by can see it. It's a beautiful mural. All that is worth every heat, every mask, every, you know, word that I say. That's the best thank you ever. Really good to hear. And I think it's really good perspective for anyone who's listening. You know, it's definitely a world where encouragement is helpful. Uh, when you're on the front lines every day, you're uncomfortable, maybe you're hot, you're dealing with a lot of new protocols and procedures, and sometimes encouragement just goes a really long way. All right, so what about you, Liz? What can people in your community do to help you guys out? I really think as community members, the biggest difference every individual can make and as a collective is to continue to socially distance, even though I know it is hard. Continue to wear a mask and frequently wash your hands. Trust me, this is hard, but it is extremely appreciated by everyone within our organization because we do not want to see another increase in the volume of our COVID-19 cases. And I think everyone would agree with you, right? And we, we were joking kind of when the pandemic or when, when COVID just initially started, 
um, people, there was a lot about washing hands. And I just remember with the kids, it was like, well, you should wash your hands no matter what. So I'm going to need you to just do that. You know, you see like a kid with their finger up their nose. Sorry, but I got three kids and you see it all the time. And now, and so now it's like, as soon as you see it, it's like, no, that's not happening. Come on over here. And we, we've got the hand sanitizer and we're washing. And it is funny how, you know, before, and I know this, this is going to sound terrible before I might've seen that and been like, just go wipe your finger off or something. And now I'm running over with the hand sanitizer bottle and, you know, uh, definitely being more cautious and hopefully we can all do the same. Uh, it's obviously harder with the kids cause they like to put their hands in their mouths, but, um, I, I appreciate that. Um, so I guess the last, the last real question I was going to ask, what do you want the public to know right now? Is there anything that if you, you had the opportunity to share, uh, even with your community that, that you would share with them? Eunice, let's start with you. The community has been so supportive. You know, we had a lot of help with, they would send us food and, and they would send us letters, even thank you notes to the, to the patients. They can write letters, you know, to the patients, letting them know their experience and letting them know they're, you know, that they're there to listen and, and the hotlines are great. There's so many things that, that people can do that it's just little things that go a long way, really. Awesome. Great. Okay. Um, Liz, what do you want people listening to know? I think this goes back to your question about what is my worry as an essential worker? And it's the concern for the well-being of the whole person, whether you're an essential worker or you're a member of the community or you're someone who was diagnosed with COVID-19. And it would be um, one of my favorite quotes, which is by Emerson, which is what lies behind us and what lies before us is nothing compared to what lies within us. And I truly believe that within us, we have the power to be hopeful, to be resilient, to be aware, to take the measures we need to, to make sure that this pandemic continues to decrease in volume and to move us forward to the next stage of what our new normal will look like. I want everyone to remember that they're stronger and braver than anything that they're going to go through. Well, there you have it, guys. Liz, Eunice, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective and give us a look inside the front lines of the pandemic. You're very welcome. Thank you so much again for having me. Thank you, Rick. It's been a pleasure. To the listeners out there, I hope you found this to be as enlightening and meaningful as I have. Um, thanks to you, Eunice and Liz, and all essential service providers out there for everything that you do to serve our communities. Thank you for the listeners today for tuning in. If you have any questions and would like to contact us, please go to our website at www.fbmc.com. We're happy to help you with anything we can. And remember, you can find us and subscribe on any podcast app. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Risky Benefits. If you're interested in learning more, please visit www.fbmc.com. We hope you'll join us next time on Risky Benefits.